Welcome to the NFL Week 18 Betting Market Outlook. The regular season grand finale. Happy New Year, Kings. I'm back from Europe. Spent a week in London, a week in Paris. Feeling refreshed. How are your holidays, Judah? My holidays were pretty great. A little bit sick last week, but that's okay. If you joined us on Sunday, I'm sure you heard the remnants of whatever respiratory thing I had, but... (laughs) I'm excited to be back, and we should have a fun week of football ahead. I'm dealing with my own respiratory thing, if you can't tell. But yeah, so now it's the 2020 part three. We're now as close to 2050 as we are to 1996. S&P 500 down 20%. In 2022, tech-heavy NASDAQ 100 down 33%. Long-duration U.S. Treasuries down another 30% as interest rates just ripped higher. The Fed doing its best to slow the economy, drive down inflation. Crypto having Lehman moments every other month. There is nowhere to hide your money in 2022, but a well-diversified portfolio may have just been the trick. If you bet on Bengals, Giants, Lions, top three ATS teams this year, going 12 and three, 12 and four, 11 and five, respectively, you'd be up 21.8%, risking 1.1% on each play. And we'll do a proper accounting of our live betting stream returns this season in the coming weeks once things quiet down, but we're up multiples. I I know I 5X'd my bookmaker account this season. That helped me buy my girlfriend her Christmas gifts over in Paris this holiday season, but just exemplifies the success that we've had this season amidst a very difficult environment. And now you know, we creep into a noisy, heavily information-driven, motivation-driven, incentive-driven week 18. Very difficult to bet, very difficult to handicap, It's going to be an interesting game trade live betting stream on Sunday, trying to figure out in game, typically our MO is to find tactical opportunities for teams that are down, that are mispriced, and we can bet on them to rally at attractive prices, come back and capitalize on that. But there's just not the same variables involved. So I want to be very cautious in this week 18. How are you thinking about it when it comes to live betting this week 18? Yeah, I think it's gonna be a props week. I think that's a good point. Be, markets are gonna have a very difficult time properly pricing player props and who knows who's gonna be playing, who's gonna be pulling their starters, which teams are gonna be playing as normal. I'm utilizing the prop market is where most of my focus will be. So as we typically do, we're going to review some of our week 17 drive quality scoreboard, then dive in to our week 18 consensus market power rankings, but we're not going to spend too much time on it because it's probably not that useful going into a very complicated week 18 where these types of variables aren't going to have the same impact. But looking at our week 17 drive quality scoreboard, the three scores that stood out to me that were misaligned with some of the narrative takeaways, how the market might be framing some of these outcomes 
was, oh, Packers crush the Vikings suck. Maybe the Vikings do suck, but I'm not nearly as buying as much into the Packers as many, as much as the market is. Drive quality reinforces that view. So Packers 28 earned points, Vikings 20 earned points. So not nearly the same shellacking. Another one was Raiders outlasting the Niners. Really impressive performance from Jarrett Stidham and the Raiders. 35 earned points to the Niners, 34 earned points. And then the last one was the Dolphins. And I was monitoring some of the game trade through halfway of this past Sunday from Paris. And I know we were riding the Dolphins. I thought that was a really great live trade. They came back. And then of course the injury, it took the lead and then typical kind of injuries from Teddy Bridgewater, etc., started to sink that ship. But the drive quality scoreboard tells us Dolphins 24 earned points to the Patriots 16 earned points. Just again, reaffirming that we're in the right positioning yeah. in that game, especially from a live betting. Well, they still cash the seven and a half, which was an official bet, which was a nice backdoor cover. I would just add one more to this, and that's I have been, I think, the number one buck seller this entire season from basically week three on i've been like the bucks suck but as our drive quality indicates here this was a legitimate win yeah. it's their best offensive performance of the season by far and also it's, the panthers defense has been good by any stretch and look i'm not ready to jump back on the buck ship but that is the ceiling game that the believers have been uh wishing would come through and it took until week 17 but it finally did whether that will be sticky it remains to be seen, but it would finally, it was their first good offensive performance of the season. And that at least bears mentioning. Yeah, I'm not jumping on no. the Bucks bandwagon by any means, but I've already flirted with this idea a few weeks ago and you spit in my face, but I'm going to do it is I'm putting one unit on the Bucks to win the Super Bowl at 2,500. Just because the NFC is weak, all right? This is pro football. Anything can happen in the playoffs. You got to win three games. That's fine. That's enough. This is mispriced. This is mispriced for the NFC. And if the Bucks' offensive line can just not crumble, then this has value. I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Yeah, I'm excited for the Cowboys to beat them by 10 on Wild Card Weekend, but I do understand the case. And look, I did have a similar view a couple of years back when I bet no. the Super Bowl, basically saying if everything goes right. So I can't fully dismiss that. <laughs> okay, not nearly as antagonistic as you were three or four weeks ago. All right, so let's go into the Week 18 Consensus Market Power Rankings. Top five, not a lot of changes. Packers back into the top 10. The top five, Bills at number one, Chiefs number two, Cowboys number three, Niners number four, Eagles number five. And then to round out the top 10, you got Bengals, Ravens, again, Packers at eight, Chargers, Browns, who are eliminated from the playoffs. In the top 10, again, Chargers also now sneaking in to the top 10. A lot of late movers here within the last three weeks or so, really since we've been offline here for the holidays. A bunch of teams, Dolphins way down, Bucks way down. I just said the Steelers, Patriots, and Browns are particularly shocking. I will note though, there's, especially from draft quality's perspective, 
a massive drop off basically from the Ravens onward. That like teams eight through 20 are essentially in the same tier of team. If the Packers don't make the playoffs here, or maybe that game is going to be so sour that it will alter opinion. But there'll be some steam, I think, on the Steelers because of the way they finished. There'll be some steam on the Browns because of the way they've looked and they finished. And I think it's almost an important perspective to keep in mind now to realize what you think of teams and where they're heading to keep that in mind for this offseason. But as you said, it's a lot of fluctuation. I think the specifically for as we're shown now, the Vikings hate has gone too far. I think the take has been exactly the same. The entire season, we know exactly what the Vikings are. And now it's like almost because they're, I don't want to say fraudulent, but because their record is so much better than the fundamental play suggests, it's almost like the really hot and sexy thing to be selling the Vikings. But they're the same team they've always been. Nothing has changed mm. about that game again. And this is easily one of the biggest one-week changes that we've seen from the Vikings. And it's happening here in the final week of the season. And that's mostly because there's been a lot of non-believers in the Vikings, but going into last week, even the non-believers thought the three, the plus three and a half versus an underwhelming Packers team was that the Vikings was a hard buy. And that was completely wrong. Yeah. Obviously the way that in that game played out. And again, drive quality still says the game was closer than the final score, but still more than enough to cover the three, three and a half. Packers definitely was the definitively right side because so many people got their feelings hurt on that week specifically. Now it's been this ultra sell-off right. on the Vikings. And yeah, and I think that can present some value. I saw some people jumping on Vikings very early for this coming week versus the Bears, getting it at minus one and a half, whatever. And that turned out to be fantastic because it moved up to three, three and a half even before this Fields news came out. So I think some of the most important things as we head into week 18, start looking at what teams need to do in order to get into the playoffs or to get the number one seed or to win their division. And so number one seed for the AFC, I don't even want to go too much into it because there's just a lot of cloudiness, low visibility around whether or not that Bills-Bengals game is going to be finished or not in some capacity because Chiefs-Bills-Bengals are the three teams involved in potentially getting that number one seed and how that Bills-Bengals game gets worked out is going to be decisive yeah. in deciding some of these outcomes. AFC South title, I think very well documented, obviously Jags, Titans, whoever wins is going to be in. If the game ties, I don't want to get too much into the tie scenarios. There's a bunch of weird, oh, if this team ties, if this team ties, and this team ties, then this team's in. It's just so silly. But if the Jags-Titans does tie, Jaguars get the benefit of the doubt, given that they have one extra win. AFC North title, Bengals get it if they beat the Ravens, or if the Bills-Bengals outcome is a decided to be a tie. And then the last wild card seed, Patriots. I'm really rooting for the Patriots to lose. Patriots win totals with eight and a half, and they're at eight and eight. And so if they win, of course, they're going to go over, but they're going to have to beat the Bills in order to do that. And there's a host of other scenarios that could potentially get in, even if they lose. Steelers loss, Jaguars win, and a Dolphins loss could get the Patriots in. Dolphins are in if they beat the Jets and the Patriots lose. So not too improbable there. Steelers get in if they beat the Browns and Dolphins lose and Patriots lose. That's also not 
too improbable. Then the Jaguars can also get in even if they lose to the Titans. They won't win the division, but they would also potentially sneak in with loss by the Dolphins, Patriots, and Steelers. And on the NFC side for the number one seed, Eagles get the number one seed if they beat the Giants or if the Cowboys lose or the 49ers lose to the Cardinals. 49ers get the number one seed if they win and the Eagles lose. Cowboys get the number one seed if they win and the Eagles lose and the Niners lose. And then lastly, the number seven seed for the NFC. This is where there's been a lot of commotion around the actual schedule of some of these games that's going to really dictate motivation incentives. Seahawks, Rams is first earlier in the day. And then you get Packers, Lions later in the day. And if Packers win, they're in, it's done. But if the Seahawks lose the first game, then Lions are still alive. If Lions win, then they're in. But if Seahawks win, then they need the Lions to win in order for the Seahawks to get it. So it's like a lot of wishy-washiness. The kneecaps will be bitten. I think Dan Campbell will have his guys ready to play regardless of the outcome of the Seahawks game. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, I, I was going to think that we get a Seahawks win late line movement to, to the Packers so I can get the Lions. I totally agree with you. I don't think motivation is going to be that big of a factor for the Lions. I think it's not nearly as good to get into the playoffs as it is to knock out a rival. But knocking out a rival out of the playoffs is certainly... Yeah, and let these guys play. They give it their all. And the Lions are sitting pretty when it comes to draft position anyway because they have the Rams pick at number six currently. And then one of the things I have up on the screen is the current NFL draft order because this is the other side of the coin now too. So you got all the teams who are trying to win to get into the playoffs or for seeding or to buy... But then there's also teams like how hard are they trying because to what extent do they really want to screw up their potential NFL draft positioning? So Bears are benching fields, clearly not trying to overtly win this game. Doesn't mean that they're not going to try and win this game, but they're not going to at least explicitly try to win. And that will put them in potential position to get that number one seed if Houston wins. Yeah. Houston's only a two and a half point underdog right now to the Colts. And so do you think, is Lovey Smith like, dumb enough is the organization dumb enough yes yes, yes. okay <laughs> because this is critical because again if chicago's not trying to win if houston wins then the bears get the number one pick yeah the jets lost out on trevor lawrence <laughs> when the, the whole tank was on there houston has been playing to win all year making fun of them for punting on the fourth and ones from the 50 all year and just the general conservatism that's defined their season but I think it's not going to be any different than any other week. And then there's, again, teams that don't have number one pick. So you got Saints, Rams, Broncos don't have number one picks. They should try and win, if at anything, just to ruin the, their number one pick that they've given up. So Denver obviously sit, currently sitting at the number three pick. They've given that up to Seattle. Rams currently sitting at the sixth pick. They've given up that to the Lions. Saints sitting at the 10th pick. They've given that up to the Eagles and then also the Browns Browns sitting at 12 and they've given that up to the Texans 12 and then Miami of course fighting for playoff berth so no ones around incentives there but they don't even have a number one pick either as they forfeited that if you recall from the whole tampering with Tom yeah. Brady and a bunch of that craziness from earlier in the offseason 
unusual for the last week of the season and because of the way the draft order shook out. If teams like the Rams were just like planning to win, it doesn't matter, draft and Broncos. It's yep. definitely been a rarity. And then there's also some interesting incentives. This is something that I'm not reading too much into it. Also, the market's pretty efficient, so it's probably overreacted to a lot of these incentives since they're very well known, very well documented. You're probably paying a premium to even play the props associated with some of these incentives. But there's some good articles, one by Josh Inglis over at Covers that walks through a bunch of different player stats that they need to hit certain thresholds in order to get certain bonuses. And so you can imply that means that maybe the team will put them in positions to try to get that. And then you can extrapolate that to some sort of prop. But again, I think you're probably paying a premium to, to yeah, play that's, into that's any something of Yeah, that's something I want to life. Live, I a, yes. I have a list of all of these props and if we see Gerald Everett is still on the field, like we'll just monitor the prices live and see if there's room to capitalize. That is the sharpest way to attack this because live you can start to get a deterioration of some of those premiums that are being baked into some of these yeah. prices now and that is something that you could see and i have seen this happen before which yeah. is oh khalif raymond needs what like 20 yards or two catches exactly. or something or like just like at the end of the game they bring them in yeah, exactly and deandre carter needs two catches or whatever the yeah. chargers have nothing to play for if there's a prop open for like over one and a half catches plus 120 or whatever that's something i just want to yeah. have in the back of my head as we're as we're yeah and that's why i would say I, I wouldn't necessarily say that these incentives they don't matter it's just what price are you paying for them to potentially achieve that right. and that's where these pregame prices are just out of whack and so to try to get some of those discounts in game that could be very attractive i specifically benefited from one of these kind of reaching for a specific stat earlier mid-season when it was deandre hopkins first game back in like week seven and he had 10 catches for 97 yards and i had a plus 2200 prop that needed him to get over 100 yards. And the game was over. The game was over. There was no reason to pass. They brought him in, threw the ball to him to get the four yards, to get over the 100 because he wanted yep. to get over 100 yards yep. on his first game back. So yep. those numbers do matter. And especially late in games, you could potentially see those scenarios arise. Yep. I remember that one clearly, Thursday Night Football. Okay. So let's get into what we can make of week 18. Again, I don't think we're going to have too many thoughts. Probably run through this pretty quickly, but Saturday, Chiefs, Raiders plus nine and a half. Again, Jarrett Stidham looked awesome, and now he's getting a chance. And I wasn't necessarily a huge believer in Jarrett but he did look awesome, where he actually could be a potential quarterback of the future. Absolutely. And I live bet the Raiders watching that game. Look, the Chiefs have had trouble, as we saw again last week, covering big spreads. Said it's capable. I think nine and a half is probably too much. Am I comfortable betting that? Absolutely not. But if you want to bet on the Raiders covering that spread, it's probably going to be through instead of passing at least that expectation or above. So I don't mind combining something like instead of passing yards and a Raiders plus seven and a half. Probably get that probably like 270, 280 once those props are released. But I like that angle. Also, this is in vegas when we look at their draft positioning they're currently situated at eighth at six and ten and this is a pretty meaningful game if they win or lose it there's going to be some kind of considerable shifting 
certainly the players involved have a lot to play for. We're talking about a quarterback trying to make a name for himself. He's got everything to play for. And I don't assume we'd see anything different from the Raiders side as we did last week, regardless of kind of their draft standing. And I don't know if it just was the Niners weren't necessarily prepared for what the Raiders were going to necessarily throw at them. But I mean, the Niners are one of the best defenses in the NFL, and the Raiders torched them. Yeah, uh, and at nine and a half, this seems like a lot. Dan calls out something that I talk about on KC week after week is I hate betting. I will not bet KC at a huge spread. Yeah. This is considered a huge spread. It's over yeah. one score. I think this seems, it seems too easy to bet the Raiders. In fact, and that's why I like your angle where just lever up into this particular narrative and try to just hit it big if you can. Yeah. And then if you're wrong, then you're wrong. And, and so it's be it. It's the same cost. But if you're, you're going to be right, then hit exactly. a home run. Exactly. All right. The evening game on Saturday, Titans, Jaguars, Titans mm -hmm. plus six. Again, a week 18 wild card game. Winner gets in. I know we were talking offline. We were one of those Jags homers in the preseason and also pounding the table on them pretty much all season to our own demise many weeks, but still net positive in the end. But still, we have the battle scars for having bet the Jaguars this season. And this was the matchup where it hit the 18 to 1, Lawrence. Left <laughs> yeah. so much money on the table, by the way. Yeah, this for me personally is one I'm navigating hedging futures. I've got a 14 to 1 ticket on the Jags. I've got some like Tennessee missing the playoff stuff. But to go outside of that, again, similar angle to what we just said with the Raiders, which is that the Titans are perhaps the league's biggest pass funnel, meaning they filter teams to the air rather than the ground. They're number one in rush EPA, number one in rush success rate, and teams pass over expected against them more than any other. The Jaguars are not afraid to throw. Lawrence has been amazing since all year, but especially the second half. I'd expect Jacksonville to win through the air. And if you expect Jacksonville to win, I think that's got to be the game angle, which is if betting on Jacksonville, I'd combine it with some Lawrence props, especially against this mm. Titans defense. It's been very, very attackable through the air. Yeah, I'm nervous about betting this game pregame. It's Josh Dobbs. It's just these variable teams, man, that like when there's something that matters and it's on the line, they just outperform expectation. The position that the Titans are even in right now. And remember, this is what I was saying, like in the preseason previews was like, the Titans look like they're bad. They look terrible on, on paper. It seems like this team should go way under, miss the playoffs, could be one of the worst teams in the league. I don't know how, but they just, they always outperform expectation. Here they are again. Granted, they haven't beaten a team with a winning record all year. But even still, yeah, this sounds awfully familiar, like a conversation we've had five, six weeks ago. I do think this Titans team is so much worse than the others. They're not starting Ryan Tannehill, but the point is well taken that I'm not, I'm not jumping to bet Jaguars as I think I would be in a different spot. Also, and it hasn't come back to bite them the last few weeks, but the Jaguars are still mistake prone, still a young team capable of making bonehead mistakes. I would not be betting the Jaguars minus six here. I'd much rather, if the Jaguars are just going to smoke them, then yeah, lean out into Jaguars minus 16 and a half and think that they're just going to roll. But this is something I would much rather bet live. Hopefully, even with being led by Josh Dobbs, they can put together a great opening kind of game script, get an early lead, and then bet the Jaguars at a much more attractive price. Let's move into Sunday. Vikings now out to minus seven in Chicago versus Nathan Peterman and the Chicago Bears. Again, congratulations to all those who jumped on the Vikings early on. Yeah, the Bears are not trying to win. If you want to back the Vikings with margin, go ahead. I have no interest. 
I feel like the Vikings Bears play every kind of finale of every season. And then even when there's something meaningful on the line, the Vikings choke and the Bears play competitive football. This is one of those games where if the Vikings took a meaningful lead, knowing that the Vikings give up leads, have that in their DNA over the course of the season, I think the Bears will be trying hard enough to still make the game relatively competitive. It's still a division game. It's still at home. There's fans going to this game, buying tickets. The Bears would be one of those teams that are live, even in week 18, I would potentially buy on a meaningful day. Browns plus two and a half in Pittsburgh. Browns eliminated. Steelers still playing for that playoff berth. How do you think about this one? I like the Browns here. I know Joe is certainly not on the Sean Watson train, but the Steelers love, and even as we saw the power rankings up to 12, is a little bit yeah. unwarranted. Steelers up to 12 and Browns up to 10. Wow. Yeah, but Steelers. It, it's just but the we're Steelers still, the drive good. quality is still very low on that. Very low. Yes. A bunch of one score wins against the Colts, the Falcons, the Panthers, the Raiders in the snow when they weren't trying, and the Ravens on Saturday Football by three. Like, this team is not good. They have faced a really easy schedule. This defense is extremely vulnerable and beatable, even with TJ Watt healthy. I think Watson showed some signs last week of coming back, and I just think that the Browns defense has been great in recent weeks. I think we're heading for another slugfest. I like the Browns. You made some great calls live betting the Browns versus Washington this past week buying the dip on the browns even when they weren't looking very good but waiting for those fourth quarter wins interception turnover worthy yeah. plays things <laughs> like that and it all materialized but even yeah it's just a matter of like, i'm not looking to bet the props i think because the volume is so low the Steelers are extremely attackable deep they're allowing one of the highest rates of explosive plays watson loves to throw deep I think the difference in a game where Pittsburgh's probably going to score 14, 17, 20 points, not a lot. Hitting on a couple of those big plays makes a big difference. And I think he'll look to people's drones, he'll look to Cooper, probably connect on a couple of those. I prefer an in toss-up style game, which I think this will be in the Steelers been playing for months. I prefer leaning into the Browns offense more than I do with the, the Steelers. Yeah, I like that angle as well. And I would probably lean Browns to hype, getting a little bit too hot on the Steelers. To your point, I'm glad you actually pointed this out. I just did not even dawn upon me that the Steelers they were like are 28. Up to that is way yeah. too hot. That's way what, too hot. Exactly. A couple of weeks ago, they were like 26, 27. Yeah. Nothing's, and I don't think anything's like materially changed. They just won a bunch of one score games. Yeah. And drive quality still market low on the Steelers at 24. Yeah. Yeah. ESPN 14, PFF 13, 538 11th, Football Outsiders. 16th and even though we are still cooler on the browns than the broader market drive quality has browns at 18th still considerably better than yeah. the steelers jets minus one on the road at the dolphins being led by skylar thompson dolphins dealing with quarterback injuries galore story of the season jets the mike white hype train something that i expected early on he has a few good games comes back down to earth targeted Garrett Wilson like 11 12 times last week and Garrett Wilson still only had two catches just really poor performance by the Jets as a team Mike White as a quarterback and now road favorites again how do you think about this one yeah I don't like the Jets here especially I don't Skylar Thompson has been 
a clear downgrade relative to U.S. Loa and Teddy Bridgewater. And the, Dol- the Dolphins have really struggled the past couple of weeks defending the pass. Their pass EPA is among the worst in the league. That drive quality tells a similar story. And I think you're right highlighting the Mike White demise, and you were saying it for a while. But I think there's almost a little bit too much of a overreaction. Now, which is like in the right spots in the matchups, I think White can produce, and I really don't think the Dolphins' defense is the tough matchup, as would be in Seattle. I'm ready to back the Jets. I'm not worried about their motivation, uh, and I'm certainly not leaning it into the Dolphins with Skylar Thompson. Jets being on the road again last week versus Seattle versus a vulnerable defense, and still couldn't take advantage. Bucks plus four in Atlanta. This was as high as seven. The expectation of Tom Brady, etc. A lot of players weren't going to play. Now I believe the last I read, Tom Brady was going to play, at least for part of the game. I think it's uncertain how long, and it really boggles the mind for why he would play. This game means nothing to Bucks, doesn't move their seating. This is one of those games where a lot of the bizarre week 18 variables are in play. Yeah, I have no interest in betting this game for a game zero the falcons are in an icon they're already a team i don't want to bet especially in a game like i no one knows who's playing for the bucks i'm passing texans plus two and a half versus the colts we talked a little bit earlier around how this could potentially affect the number one draft pick texans plus two and a half under a field goal versus jeff saturday's colts who have looked terrible the last few weeks total 38 Two very bad teams Absolutely. with questionable motivation. There, there are so many games on Sunday. You don't <laughs> need to have this game. You just don't need to do it. Panthers plus three at the Saints. Panthers no longer have anything to play for. Although the win total is still in play. Yeah, six, six and a half at six. Yeah. But otherwise have nothing to play for. Saints also have no draft pick to play for, as we talked about earlier. So nothing to prevent them from trying to win this game. How do you think about this one? Yeah, I think the Saints are quietly coming along in recent weeks, especially on the defensive side as they've gotten healthier. And Marshawn Lattimore came back. I had a pick six last week. Mm-hmm. Again, I just I don't see the appeal of betting this game. It's almost a, a tricky handicap even without the lack of motivation because the Panthers have been Jekyll and Hyde, getting crushed by the Steelers, dominating the Lions, playing a tight one with Tampa Bay. I just I don't really know what to make of them. It's just not appealing to me. Yeah, Carolina That's- currently situated in the ninth spot for draft picks and again at six and ten they're in that area of where one extra win one extra loss is going to move you up potentially five six spots in in one direction or the other again to what extent that actually is influencing their decision making you don't know but it's again a factor worth i think knowing yeah patriots plus seven on the road going to buffalo over under 42 and a half Again, a lot of questions around the Bills, of course, whether or not they're going to finish the Bengals game and whatnot, and how that could potentially affect motivation, interest for this game. But Patriots need to win, and then they'll get in. Seven actually does seem quite high, again, especially if the Bills are going to be, like, ultra-distracted by this game. They'll be ready to play. We've seen enough anecdotally countless stories of teams with a lot to play for. I would be pretty surprised if the Bills don't really show up for this game. And from a, like, 
pure football perspective, I, I'd certainly been selling the Bills defense. I just don't think that mm-hmm. Mac Jones is capable of exposing them. I think I will be selling the Bills in the playoffs, but certainly I think the motivation's on their side. Josh Allen is still playing at an MVP caliber. He seems to have shaken off any effects of the elbow injury. And I don't think the Patriots are well suited to take advantage of the areas where the Bills are weakest in the secondary. That I'd be back in the Bills here, if anything. Ravens, another touchdown spread at Cincinnati. Cincinnati also involved in a lot of this chaos. Any of the games I think most hinges on what happens with the Bills-Bengals game. Because in theory, the Bengals can have nothing to play for. Right, if they rule like... Bill Spangles has a no game, then they're locked into the three. But I can use this as a general point. Ravens offense is a disaster right now. Even without Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews is their only weapon. They're starting Deshaun Jackson out there. Demarcus Robinson. The offensive line has been great, but they have no receivers to get open. Tyler Humley is not the answer at quarterback. Certainly, if the Bengals are playing, they should win handily. If not, this is going to be a, I think, game to fade. Yeah, I'm not interested in this game either because I don't, see how the Bengals and Bills are going to finish that game. I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but there's no scheduling availability for them to really fit that game in without potentially taking away the week in between the Super Bowl, which that requires a domino effect of reschedulings as well, which I don't think they want to do. You know, I'll be curious to see how it plays out, but I don't think that game is going to be played. Giants plus 14 on the road versus... The Eagles, Giants locked in to the playoffs. Eagles need to win in order to lock it. The number one seed up, lock the division up. This seems like a lot of points for still a division game where the Giants would, even with playing reserves, still pro football players, If this gets out to like the 20s live, I yeah, know about the Giants. yeah, I see this one playing out similar to Houston Jacksonville last week, minus the disaster that the Houston Texans are in the sense of Jaguars. I don't think they're gonna have a bunch of fumbles returned for a touchdown. The Texans did, but what I meant by that is that the Eagles, I think, will play their starters until they get a you know, like pretty big lead. They'll pull them, and then I think both teams are just gonna turn the page and get the game over with. I bet live under if anything just because I can see this as a game in which the Eagles get their win. It's 21-3 at halftime. The Giants are ready for the wild card round next week. The Eagles, great. They locked up their number one seed. Everyone's moving on. Yeah, Bolts are trying to get out of the game without any meaningful injuries. I like that angle a lot, especially if you can get an early score and you can get a few extra points tacked onto this. Currently at 43, if you can get above that 45, 46, 47, that would definitely look attractive. Maybe even betting the alt under going out to 40, getting it plus 205 or whatever. Absolutely. Cowboys, commanders, Cowboys, touchdown favorite on the road versus Sam Howe and the commanders. I think I like the commanders here. I don't care that the Cowboys need to win. Cowboys need to win a lot of games. <laughs> it doesn't matter. This is the game I like the most wow. is Washington. Plus. Starting Sam Howell. I think that's a kind of massive question mark that I'm not willing to bet on either side, just because I have no idea what Sam Howell's going to look like. Another quarterback that our friend Joel is very high on. I think he was talking about, he thought that he was the number one best rookie quarterback of the draft this past season. Cardinals plus 14 in San Francisco. Hideous game. 
but oh. I'll get a lot of points. A lot of points. A lot of points. David Blau will be uh, will be playing. He didn't he even look that bad. Week. He played fine last week. Yeah. The degenerate me might throw a little bit of David Blau passing props. Cardinal seven and a half, just because, especially oh, yeah. if the if the Eagles win. What's the motivation here? Look, San Francisco was exposed by a different uh, back quarterback. True. Last mm. week, but I'm probably gonna lay off this game. It's just it's ugly. There's no need to force it. Rams plus six and a half in Seattle, 41 and a half. The total, of course, Seahawks need to win to get in and then get that Lions loss. Rams looked really good two weeks ago, absolutely destroyed the Broncos and then came back and looked competitive through the first quarter versus the Chargers. I think the Rams will be sufficiently competitive enough to potentially cover this game. They just played three, four weeks ago. Rams were in position in that game. Yeah. I do like this game in that I think they've been playing for whatever it is, five, six weeks now. And the Seahawks are obviously planning to, to win, trying to get in the playoffs. There are a couple live angles I like here, which is that the Rams have been one of the run heaviest teams, even when down by a score. They're actually, they're very pass heavy when they're up by a bunch. And they're very run heavy when they're down, which leads me to maybe some Cam Akers live props, especially if he's like having some decent success early. The Seahawks have a dreadful run defense. That's really been getting worse as of late. I also like the Seahawks went up by a score have a 31 percent success rate which would be seven percent worse than the houston texans who are last in the nfl right now if we use the 31 success rate of the course of season and they've got a negative 1.2 epa which would have them between the colts and the broncos as the third worst offense in the league they're a disaster when they're nursing leads so i'm looking to maybe back the rams maybe back a game under on the assumption that the rams are going to keep them on the ground run a few plays have a bunch of success, but we're talking Cam Akers props. We're talking Rams on the comeback and maybe the game under. Using that to really angle how you want to attack it live, I think is very strong. Chargers plus two and a half on the road at Denver. Again, Denver, no draft pick. Denver's looked really tough last week versus the Chiefs. They looked tough versus Chiefs, again, four or five weeks ago as well. Beat the Cardinals and then no-showed versus the Rams. But they have showed some life over the last three, four weeks. Yep. The Broncos is a decent side here. Yeah, I assume this line's baking in that the Chargers are not going to be playing their starters. I can't argue against it, but I also don't want to... We're back on our money with the, like, Week 18 Broncos game. I feel you. Bra Lions plus four and a half at green bay last game of season last game of the night sunday night football a lot of this riding on how that seahawks game plays out if the seahawks win you probably could get the lions pre-game six and a half i think we'll move out at least two points yeah i'm back in the shirt right here i'm back in the lions especially if we get news that the Seahawks win and this line moves to six. Again, I think the Packers' love is spiraling a little out of control as the eighth best team. This is a defense by drive quality that's been the third worst in the NFL over the second half. They're getting, they're getting destroyed by the run. We know that the Lions can run the ball. The Packers' offense has emerged as Christian Watson has gotten going. He's questionable health and i like the, i think the narrative on the packers is very different without a turnover in the dolphins game like dolphins go up 27 10 at halftime i'm just not 
I'm not buying the Packers. The Azure Drive quality suggested this game was probably a little bit closer than the final score says last week against the Vikings. They struggled with the Bears. They struggled to beat the Dolphins. I think that hype is a little out of control for a team that's really been struggling on defense over the second half of the season. Yeah, I think it's way out of control. The thing is, I don't necessarily like the Lions. Again, outdoors. Yeah, I was gonna say you and... gotta golf outdoors. But I think mm-hmm. this is a one game here. I saw some cool stats about the Packers ending the here it is. The Green Bay run defense is fourth in EPA per play, fifth in yards per carry, seventh in success rate against zone concepts, and then power and counter, they're 30th in EPA, 29th in yards per carry, 32nd in drive success rate. I think the Lions are gonna really attack the Packers with powers and counter concept. And I trust Ben Johnson and the Lions offensive staff. That's uh, mm-hmm. issue a game plan that's gonna be centered on these types of runs. I think if you were to reset the schedules and start the season from six, seven weeks ago, I think the market's even much higher on the Lions than they are Yep. even today. Drive Quality loves Lions, has Lions as top 10 team, top eight team. The outdoor element is the only thing that worries me a little bit, but in any case, I think, especially pre-game, Seahawks win. Lions move out to six and a half, maybe seven. That's when you could get them. And then if the Seahawks lose, maybe the Lions go down to three and a half. But I don't think it's going to go through three or even get to three. Yeah. So really asymmetric risk there when it yep. comes to one like position pregame on this. Any props that you would be angling thinking for this one, especially given this is an island game, standalone game, the true grand finale of the grand finales. The only angle I'd mention is if the Lions drop out to a lead, they're very pass heavy didn't work out last week, but I'd be monitoring Amon Ross St. Brown and Jared Goff props. But again, they, I want to see if they're utilizing that run, if those runs concepts. Are they running with success against the Packers? But other than that, I don't think so. Khalif Raymond, Jamal Williams, two players. That's Those are good angles. Incentives, especially, yeah, angling for those live props. I think it'd be definitely super interesting. All right, that wraps up the week 18. NFL betting market outlook. Thanks everyone for listening all season long. We got some big plans for 2023. We didn't accomplish nearly as much as we wanted to in 2022. But as we go into this offseason, this will be our first full offseason. Working together, building a lot of things. We're super excited for what game trade can be in 2023. And again, the tools that we're going to bring online to be able to put into practice on streams as well. And I think it's super cool, again, for having the hundred of you out there who listen to our podcast, watch our streams every single week. We thank you tremendously. You are the true OG Kings for us. And as this brand continues to build up and pick up momentum, you guys are here at the very beginning. We're just tremendously grateful and super excited for everything that's gonna come in 2023. That's right. We'll see everyone at one o'clock on Sunday. Yep. Make some money. Happy New Year, everyone. That's closing bell.